everyone, to another episode of Streaming Water Podcast. Thanks for being here today. I am your host, Blair Corning, and uh, I have a, a great guest today, Ryan Hoy, instrumentation and controls uh, engineer and cybersecurity specialist with Black & Veatch, is here to talk to us about cybersecurity and how cybersecurity relates to the uh, wastewater and water industry. So thanks for being here, Ryan. Good to have you today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great. So maybe uh, if we could start out, uh, you could just give us a little bit of your background. Uh, and I said you work for Black and Beach, but how you got into the business, what you do day to day, things like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so with Black, I've been Black and Beach for nine years as an INC engineer. Um, been doing cyber for a, four to three years of that, um, and I, I got into that primarily because there was uh, the government start you know put out it, the, the government included. Um, cybersecurity assessments as part of the America Water Infrastructure Act. And so water utilities then had to do a cybersecurity assessment, right? And so that's kind of how I got my foot in the door. Um, but I've kind of always been doing computers on the side. So um, my first degree uh, was in music education. And again, that was one that all throughout doing that, I was doing computer work. Um, I got a job right out of college working for a startup lithium battery company. And working very closely with engineers there, uh, a lot of ex-automotive engineers. And that made me realize that I would rather, you know, be engineering things than uh, trying to wrangle like a bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of children. That's my forte is in engineering. Uh, so anyway, uh, again, doing computer tech work all throughout that process. I worked for Geek Squad, hunting down viruses and, and repairing machines. And um, yeah, and then... Out of uh, out of engineering school, I started up with Black and Beach. Nice. What uh, do you play? Any instruments at all? Yeah, uh, trombone is my main instrument. Trombone, nice. Yeah. All right. Uh, how about hobbies? What do you do when you're not uh, when you're not doing engineering or or computers? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, board game design is. Um, I'm the vice president of the Kansas City Board Game Designers. We're a, a group of amateur board game designers that we get together, play test games, kind of support each other through the publication process. And um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. That is interesting. I've never, I didn't know such a thing existed. I thought <laughs> Milton Bradley did all that himself. I didn't know that there were people doing. All right. Well, that brings me to the interesting question. I'm going to impromptu this interesting question. If you were uh, stranded on a deserted island uh, well, not stranded. You had one other person there. What board game would you bring with you? Oh man! So I, my my favorite board game is the Firefly board game based on the TV show. Um, you know, the box says two hours. Most of those, most of the time, a game lasts four, five hours. Wow! There's a lot of variability in it, and yeah, I think I think that'd be a good game to be stranded on a desert island with. Nice. What you can do with it. Yeah, you probably wouldn't actually need to bring one if you can make up your own. You'd probably you'd probably think of some there. Oh yeah, I'd, I'd be rigging something up with uh, coconuts and leaves, and oh yeah. <laughs> I remember as a kid, man, Monopoly. Some of those could get into the four or five hour, uh, four or five <laughs> hour. They went on forever. I was like, this game, man. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, well, thanks for the intro. Let's talk cybersecurity now. Can you, I think I have a kind of an idea and most people do have an idea of what is meant by cybersecurity, but what do you, what do you think cybersecurity is or what's your definition of cybersecurity? It's uh, it's essentially protecting 
protecting what you have by kind of locking your electronic doors, right? Um, you have a physical perimeter and then you have an electronic perimeter. And so that's anything that, any way people can get to you through a remote connection, it's protecting that. That's cybersecurity. All right. Yeah, that is a, a concise way to describe it. I like that. Um, what areas in, in water and wastewater and collections, distribution, anywhere in the industry, what areas are, are vulnerable to bad actors or intrusions in, in cybersecurity? Yeah. So, um, unfortunately, all of them. Um, that's it, so it's very broad, but but you know, over the last what thirty years, um, it, it, technology has just been integrated into our into water and wastewater, right? The the introduction of PLCs, um, having network communication, you know, with remote sites using radio, um, it wasn't in you know, I would say probably in the last fifteen years, maybe twenty that we started using encrypted radio connections, right? That's unencrypted radio connections are a great entry point to start, you know, to get into a system. Um, Yeah, there's all those connections. Really, it comes down to the fact that technology was introduced without a concern for cybersecurity. Because at the time, we didn't necessarily have a concern for it. You know, why would you you be concerned about that? Nothing's happening in that sector. And and for the most part, that was true. Um, And so now we're kind of having to go and fill in the cracks. Um, you know, put, put band-aids up and, and teach people kind of the new reality, right? It's, we have, we have developed a safety culture because we found people can get hurt through the machines and equipment that we use and the processes that we use. So now we have a safety culture. Well, people can now get hurt by cyber attacks through misuse of equipment and misuse of water treatment technology, um, and so we have to learn that new cybersecurity culture, which is gets into cyber hygiene. Um, you know, making sure that you're following cybersecurity protocols. All right, Ryan. Well, let me uh, let me ask you this: Where are these threats coming from? You you mentioned they're all over. They're they're utility wide. Who's who are we worried about here in, in the cybersecurity uh, world? So if you, you know, if you listen to um, a lot of people within water, you know, a, a lot of their concerns are insider threats, right? That's kind of a, a fear of theirs, at least for when you get into like contamination threats, uh, those types of cyber incidents, because um, you can do those remotely by installing malware and, and whatnot. Um, from the government side, um, most of it is from outside nation states, like the nation state level is a is a huge concern because they're the groups that can afford to have hackers on staff, right? With unlimited, you know, given unlimited money and resources, you can hack anything, right? And so they're kind of the big concern is that they can get in anywhere. Um, From a just day-to-day business operations, ransomware groups, just organized crime, is another big concern, right? That, and that is probably the most likely event to happen to a water utility is that an organized crime unit gets ransomware on their system and then it takes out your, you know, takes out your business operations. Are they, uh, do they target certain size utilities or, you know, is it the big, the big utilities that should be worrying, the small utilities that have less, less uh, maybe resources to, to address cybersecurity or, or does it matter? You know, it doesn't matter because um, some some 
some some units take a uh, shotgun approach where it's you know well here's a small utility let's go pepper them with some um you know some uh phishing emails see if we can get one of them to download the the malware uh for larger utilities uh where you can request more of a ransom they'll put more effort into that so they'll um you know they'll start doing some social some social engineering attacks getting to know certain employees maybe sending out fake linkedin invites to try to get personal with people um so the larger utility the larger the ransom the more work they put into it um, but oh. even then big utilities can still get hit by the you know again that shotgun approach of just open the one random malware uh email and and you're gone yeah i didn't uh i didn't realize they went that far as far as fake linkedin uh, invites and getting to you know actually you know getting into your system into your your into your minds and, and brains, you know, as well as just your computer. It is amazing the de- the the lengths people will go. And once I started realizing it and, and hearing about it, it's like, oh, wow, this actually is a very serious, you know, it, it really brought, it really notched up the level of how serious this is and yeah. of, of how, yeah, how active the, the threats are. Are there regulations? Can you speak to, to what regulations there might be or there might be coming as far as cybersecurity in the industry? Yeah. So, so the existing regulation that we have is comes in the American Water Infrastructure Act of 2018. Um, you know, every five years uh, post 9-11, water utilities had to do a bioterrorism uh, inspection every five years that focused on social, on, uh, uh, sorry, uh, physical security and um, just general resilience to weather, right? Um, in 2018, they added a requirement to do a cybersecurity evaluation and update the risk mitigation plan to accommodate the, the results of that cybersecurity assessment. And so um, in, I think, March of 2023 is when water utilities have to do that again. That's when it's, they're expected to having to start doing that again. Um, the AWWA is working on developing some cybersecurity regulations that would have to be legislatively approved. And they, the goal is to set up a NERC-SIP style governing body for that. So NERC-SIP is the cybersecurity reg, um, organization, or is the cybersecurity requirements that the power utilities are under, right? And so they have to follow a lot of rules and regulations as far as how they incorporate technology into their operations. With the water utilities, what AWWA is trying to do is learn from the mistakes and the shortcomings of NERC-SIP um, so that water utilities would actually get to have a say in what the regulations are, how they're implemented. Um, but the way it's looking is they're, um, the EPA is going to kind of be the uh, authoritative body in this. Uh, there'll be a separate risk and resiliency assessment organization set up. And so they're going to dictate when assessments happen, how they happen, Beyond that, it's nothing is really clear cut. It's still kind of up in the air because, again, they're wanting water utilities to be the ones to help develop regulations. Um, yeah, that that makes sense. Get uh, let the utilities have input. They know where their pain points are. They know what, what their systems look like. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it sounds like sounds like a good idea. Is the the power people are they ahead of us on this as far as being regulated or or securing their their systems? Do you think they're, they're further down the road than the water industry? Um, I would probably say yes. Uh, primarily because we've, you know, I've, I, I've talked, I've, I've worked on one power project and I've, and I've 
talked to uh, IT people in the power industry, and they've talked to me about actively defending themselves against attacks, right? And power utilities are under a lot of attack. Um, and so, yeah, without, if they didn't have NERC SIP, there would be a lot of power outages because they, NERC SIP brought forth the requirement and requirements bring forth money, right? So utilities that may, water utilities that may want cybersecurity, um, they can ask for more money, but they won't, they may not get it if it's not a federal requirement. So it's, you know, it's going to help a lot of the smaller utilities that don't have big budgets. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Ryan. We are at our time for our mid-show segment now. And uh, so the mid-show segment today, and I apologize to the listeners, I think they might be constructing a tiny home in the office next to mine. So uh, there's some some background banging and sawing that uh, that you might hear, but hopefully someone's getting a nice tiny home built next door. <laughs> But uh, yeah, the the mid-show segment, this is an article out of uh, KPCW, which I don't know where that is, but it's by uh, Andrea Buchanan uh, from April 20th. And it says, the Snyderville Basin Water Reclamation District uses a certain byproduct to measure how many people are visiting Summit County. It may not smell good, but it's accurate. So I will, uh, that's that's the first line. I'll read this short article here. To you. There's a lot a community can learn from its water, such as upticks in COVID numbers. The Snyderville Basin Water Reclamation, created in 1973 and covering Park City uh, in Utah and surrounding areas, collects wastewater daily from nearly 11,000 homes and businesses. The last few months reflect an uptick, not in COVID, but in tourism. Uh, District Director Mike Lowers says the SBWRD uses the number of toilet flushes to determine how many visitors are in town. Uh, He says, so once a month, we calculate what we call the flush index. And this is simply a calculation where we use wastewater flows to estimate the number of people in town. And particularly, we use the metric of visitor nights. For March, they estimated that there were 550,675 visitor nights, which is seems like a lot, but I guess it's a a big tourist area there. So uh, Lauer says this process is more involved than just a simple flush. It comes down to a sophisticated calculation. It's actually fairly complex. It involves actual gallons of wastewater, the strength of wastewater, how much water seeps into the system from rain and snow melt. And then we also correlate that with historical numbers from the Chamber of Commerce. So it's quite an elaborate statistical model. Uh, He says, we've been doing this for over, I think, like 15 years now. And statistically, our estimates are very close to the numbers that will eventually come from the Chamber of Commerce. So... I thought that was wow. interesting. Yeah, I know. We're, which I mean, the same connection is like we're getting the COVID stuff information from wastewater. Now we're getting, now we're in contact with the Chamber of Commerce talking tourism numbers. So that uh, there's no limit what you can use wastewater data for. Well, yeah, yeah. Getting thinking from a control systems uh, standpoint, that's that's a feedback algorithm. That's you you know, you can do city planning based on based on data you get from your wastewater plant. That's right. Yeah, I know. All right. Well, let's get back to uh, let's get away from the flush index and back to the cybersecurity topic at hand here, Ryan. What are organizations doing to protect their their systems now, and what's what approach are they taking to to do that? So the biggest thing utilities are doing right now are the risk and resiliency assessments because that 
what that does is it shines a light on all of the flaws that you have in a system. And, and a lot of times the, the, you know, the biggest thing to come out of it is with the realization that, uh, oh, that, that a utility just doesn't have cybersecurity resources. They may have one IT person that's responsible for fixing computers and, and that's it. Right. Um, so, so that's like, that's the, the thing people are doing mostly. Um, the other thing is backups. Um, a lot of utilities are really starting to get into the backup business and backups are what will save you from a ransomware attack. And so uh, any utility that's not doing that, I strongly recommend uh, asking your IT person about backups. And ideally they go back six months because um, I sat in on a webinar from a, a water utility IT director saying how they save themselves after a ransomware attack um, and they end up having to go back three months into their backups because they realized the ransomware had been sitting on their system for that long. So the ransomware was embedded in all their backups, you know? So, yeah. and, and I'm, I'm happy that the risk and resiliency assessments are happening primarily because um, a lot of the assessments that I've done, you know, we, we do them when we do them, we'll do them on the SCADA system or the, 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 the OT system, as it's sometimes called the operational technology and the IT system, right? So you have your business side and then your operations side. Okay. Most water utilities for the longest time kept them separate, right? They call it, they air gap them. That's the term we use in the industry is an air gap. Air gaps are, they give you the feeling of being secure. They are not secure. Um, one of the biggest uh, cyber security incidents was um, the Iranian nuclear enrichment program. Stuxnet was the virus that was, that got in there. Right. Mm -hmm. And again, we talk talking about nation states, most likely that virus was created by Israeli and U.S. intelligence agencies. No, nothing has been set in stone, but that's we're pretty sure that's who made it. Um, and it was a virus on a thumb drive that they just kind of, well, they just kind of blasted this virus all over the world. It eventually made it onto a thumb drive of a, an Iranian nuclear scientist that brought it to work with him from his home computer, plugged it in, and it closed the air gap. And... Then for three years, it was slowly destroying nuclear enrichment centrifuges. You know, it, you can cross an air gap. That's not unheard of. And a lot of times people who think they have an air gap, they're not actually air gapped because um, a contractor needed access to a dewatering centrifuge. So they ran an Ethernet cable from the office over to the centrifuge and no one bothered to unplug it. Right. Th these things happen all the time. So, again, risk and resiliency assessment is the is the easiest thing. It's the best thing you can do just to, to find out where you're at. Yeah. And people are doing that. Good. Yeah. And you're going to scare the backflow people though, with that uh, air gap uh, talk there. You're, I can, I can see them getting nervous already, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I've never heard the air gap used in any other way, but backflow. So I will uh, <laughs> I'll have to watch for that. Yeah, when I, when I talked to you uh, earlier, you had mentioned something I wanted to, to ask you about. You said consequence-driven cyber-informed engineering. Can you tell us what, what does that mean? Yeah. So, so that is an engineering methodology that comes out of cyber-informed engineering. Um, anyway, the idea behind it is that you are protecting yourself from cyber-enabled sabotage through engineering practices. And by engineering practices, I mean physics-based so you're essentially designing your system so that it cannot be hacked. 
it could potentially still be connected to a network, um, but the equipment could not be misused to create a catastrophic incident. And so, um, right, that's, that's, the, that's the basis of cyber-informed engineering. Uh, Consequence-driven cyber-informed engineering is a whole methodology where you sit down with a client, and in this case, it'd be like a water utility, right? And, and you teach them how to do this assessment so they can do it themselves year after year. Um, you look at what types of catastrophic events would, uh, would be the worst for your organization, right? And it, for the case of water utilities, you know, you look at causing deaths, um, making a water treatment plant completely inoperable, uh, for, you know, more than six months, uh, you know, having a, the, having your customers without water for an extended period of time is, is you know, that, that I would consider that catastrophic. Um, from there, what you're going to do is kind of, you analyze the, the system, the network, everything about the utility, uh, even the, you know, the people, processes and technology, right? You even look at org charts and see who's working where and um, how data gets transferred by, by paper, by computer flows, whatnot. And then, so you have someone on your team who's a targeter and they're essentially, their job is to think like a hacker. Okay, given all this stuff that we have, we have gotten in phase two, we know everything about your network because a hacker would take their time and do their homework and, and gather up resources. They figure out how they would perform that attack through cyber means. Um, once you know how an attack would happen, you can then, step four, figure out how you're going to mitigate it through engineering means. So if say the big catastrophic event is that all your high service pumps went down, like we're, we're destroyed, right? The motors got burned out because they misused the VFD. Okay, how can we prevent that from happening? Maybe the solution is half your pumps are on VFDs, half your pumps are on um, manual start, you know, single speed starters that are not connected to the network so that you know, if they do destroy that, you can still provide water. That would, that's kind of an example of that. Yeah, it sounds like at least it's, from what you described, it's moving from, from patching uh, mistakes and putting Band-Aids on things that weren't considered before to, you know, kind of preemptively looking at these things as we build them and, and construct these systems. Exactly, yeah. And, it, you know, and, and in, in the cyber world, this is so much of cybersecurity focuses on cyber hygiene, right? Um, you know, ma change your passwords, manage your, uh, manage your firewalls, uh, don't open suspicious email pass uh, email links. Um, that's like day-to-day, -day, that's, that's just kind of like day-to-day -day, uh, cyber stuff and day-to-day -day safety things like don't jog at night with your headphones on. That's a standard safety thing that's going to keep you from getting mugged or shot, right? Um, and, and just like, just like not clicking on links is going to save you from, from getting malware. It's, they're not trying to destroy and kill people. They just want money, right? Um, Consequence-driven cyber-informed engineering, which is shortened to CCE. CCE is there to save you from the worst types of attacks, uh, the nation-state level attacks that are completely going to destroy you and, and kill people, right? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's two prongs. It's a two-pronged approach to just general protection. Yeah, that is, uh, that's interesting. What you mentioned, you know, utilities should, should do an assessment and, and kind of take a look at where their gaps are and the resources they have to, to fix them. What's, is there anything that just, 
individuals can do, or I, I'm sure there is, but can you uh, give us some ideas on what can I do as a person to protect uh, the networks and, and systems of, of the utility I work at? Um, honestly, if you don't already at your utility, if you don't already have cybersecurity training, you should probably be asking for it. Um, some utilities <clears throat> just as part of the city IT system have mandatory training. Um, you know, asking for the train awareness training is one of the most beneficial things you can do because when, when a hacker will reach out to you through social engineering, those, those methods are changing. The emails are getting more sophisticated. It used to be like, you could read an email and you could, and you know, it just looked like it was run through Google translate three times, right? It was just off. Like, ah, I'm not opening that, but you know, you know, through fake LinkedIn accounts, there's, there's all these new ways that people are trying to reach, to reach you, to, to get you to open a malware and being up to date on those is very important. So asking your IT provider to give you more and up-to-date cybersecurity training is very important. Uh, cyber awareness training is sometimes what we call it. Yeah, I know our, our organization does that. And I've heard industry-wide, a lot of people doing that either online classes or, or different uh, methods of delivering that training. So I think it is valuable, although you're right, you can still get, uh, you can still get taken. I hate to admit the other day, I clicked on a link. It was like this Costco ad and I took a short survey and then I could have the option to get a, a like a diamond ring at a, at a like unrealistic price, which I don't know where my head was. You know, I, my kid was getting a haircut. I was waiting. I was bored. So I click on that. I don't know what I'm going to do with a diamond ring, but uh, I click on that and then instantly like, like seven charges in a row went on my credit card and I had to cancel my car, get in the car. And I was thinking, man, how, oh, man. how dumb am I? You know, like, why did I do that? <laughs> why did I think I was getting a diamond ring for eight bucks? I don't know, but they, they got me on that one. It happens. I've been, I've, I've gotten it too. It, it happens to everyone. Like that's, that's why they're so good. That's why they're so good at it is they start is attackers know what gets people to click on things. You know, those, those offers that, you know, they've gotten away from the, Oh, it's too good to be true. It's like, they're now sending out offers that are realistically possible. It's like, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll take a $20 Amazon gift card. Sure. I'll click, I'll click this link. And cause it, that's reasonable. I get legit offers like that from cybersecurity companies saying, Hey, come check out my product. I'm like, I'm not clicking on that because you could be legit, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I've gotten a few of those emails too from, uh, which freaks me out, but there I'm on this board and it, it came from the, the president of the board and it said, I need you to, you know, send me some gift cards because I'm in this meeting. And it was, and it made no sense because she, she wouldn't ask me to do that anyway. But uh, yeah. it was, it's just weird when you get those things that are actually, you know, a part of your life. And then you like, it's, it's this feeling of like, how are they in my life? You know, but yeah, it gets, it gets creepy. All right. Well, thanks, Ryan. Did you, uh, is there anything I didn't ask you that you, uh, wanted to touch on or any uh, kind of takeaways you'd like to, to leave the listeners with before we get into the uh, end of show quiz? You know, I think kind of, kind of piggybacking on that last question, what can individuals do to be more secure? Um, and I, I'm not saying this to make you, par to make people paranoid. Um, don't assume you are unimportant in your office or in kind of the food chain. Um, because everyone, 
everyone in your in the utility has access to the network and and that makes everyone a target um you know so if if someone you know is friendly with you and asks you to plug in a thumb drive at work or hand hand you hand you a thumb drive and says hey check this out when you get to work question that you know anything relating to your job water is extremely important it's it is a critical infrastructure we need it to live you're you're doing important work and people want will want to use you to disrupt that so um again not to make people panicky individuals but you know think about it keep that in mind yeah no that is good advice i know it's it's almost like human nature you see a thumb drive you want to you want to plug it in so it's it's inviting but although they are going out you know i used to remember when thumb drives came out and everyone was it was like these are great and now you hardly see them anymore i think because of uh, of that fear so that's that's good advice thanks ryan and thanks for sharing your uh your expertise with us uh on cybersecurity. it was an uh, interesting discussion today yeah very happy to um all right you ready for the end of the show quiz now yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, this is a three-question quiz. Uh, and since we're talking cybersecurity, this one just is on security. But uh, question number one, security, a community in Colorado. It's down by Colorado Springs. Uh, there's this community, there's Widefield Security. It's two kind of towns together. But anyway, security, a community in Colorado was established in 1955. Why was the name security chosen? Uh, is it A, securities were used to finance the development, B, the community was housing for nearby prison staff, uh, C, the developer wanted a safe sounding name, or D, the community was founded by Thomas H. Security? Which, uh, let's see. 1955, post-war America. I'm going to go see. They wanted to make it sound like a safe place. That is correct. That is correct, Ryan. <laughs> Good work. You deduced that brilliantly. So we'll move on to number two. Uh, which Peanuts character carried around a security blanket? Oh, that was Linus. Linus. Uh, yeah. I carried around a security blanket too. I uh, Yeah, me and Linus. He was, yeah. he was my peanut. Right on, yeah. right on. Okay, well, you're two for two. You get this one, and you have uh, mastered the end-of-show quiz, Ryan. The SEC is the Security Exchange Com Securities Exchange Commission, Securities and Exchange Commission, sorry, as well as the Southeastern Conference in college sports. Uh, which of these schools is not in the SEC? Is it A, University of Alabama, B, Auburn University, C, University of Mississippi, or D, Purdue University? Oh, I'm going to be done, undone by a sports question. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go Purdue. You have just mastered oh, the wow. uh, end of show quiz. <laughs> Purdue is in Indiana, and they're in the Big Ten Conference. You uh, So congratulations on uh, a perfect score on the end of show quiz. And again, thanks for uh, thanks for being on the show today. Oh yeah, I had fun. It's always fun to talk about cybersecurity. Yeah, and to our listeners, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks to our sponsors, uh, Colorado Wastewater Utility Council and the Rocky Mountain Water Environment Association. If you have any ideas for show topics or guests that uh, 
you'd like to hear from on the show, you can shoot me an email at streamingwater at mail.com. That's where you can send that. And I'd love to hear from you. If you got comments on the show, you can send them there as well. Again, thank you, Ryan, for uh, your time today with us. And we'll see you next time on the Streaming Water Podcast.